Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode. It's Nick here, and today we're going to kick right off with a topic which, to be frank with you, I could have written a lot longer list. The topic is the five biggest mistakes that I've made in business in my career, Um, and (laughs) let's just say I've been spoiled for choice in terms of things that I've done that perhaps when I look back in hindsight weren't the greatest choices at the time. But as I always say, everything in life serves you and you know I'm pretty happy with how things have turned out. So hey, it couldn't have been um, all disaster. So five biggest mistakes. Well, before I kick off, uh, let me just tell you a bit of a story. So for those of you who have been listening to this podcast uh, for a few weeks now, had to listen to the episodes, You'll know that I started um, my entrepreneurial journey really with a corporate gig. I was um, working for Men's Health magazine and I was both a fitness writer but heading up marketing. I was the marketing manager of that magazine back in the late 1990s, um, you know, before we had, you know, iPhones and apps and all that sort of stuff. And um, I remember the first week on the job, I... I sort of turned up there and I didn't, I had no idea how sort of corporate protocol and politics and all that sort of stuff worked. I just kind of went in there and had a fair amount of sort of bravado and confidence, I suppose. And I remember making a decision which was um, around, without going into the detail and boring you to death, was about how uh, advertising is displayed in magazines and how you choose how you do promotions with certain advertisers. And I didn't quite realize at the time that the editor is like the king or the queen of these things. You know, they absolutely rule the roost when it comes to, I suppose, any type of a sort of newsprint or magazine publishing. And I made a decision where the editor at the time, a guy called Todd Cole, fantastic guy. In fact, we became good friends after this. So when I tell you the story, you'll think, God, how did that happen? But um, anyway, long story short, I made a decision. It was the wrong decision, <laughs> according to Todd. And uh, we ended up having a bit of a wrestle in his office. And uh, let's just say I ended up uh, on the wrong side of that wrestle. Um, and it took a few beers in the pub and a, and a few weeks later of Again, understanding how the the corporate machine worked before um, I realized that, uh, yeah, I needed to operate a bit differently. So that that's a learning. That's a bit of a story, but that one doesn't make the list. So let me get right into it. Um, let's kick off with number one. So the first mistake, and these, these are reasonably, I've done this in a way which I think are quite broad topics. Again, so they can be quite um, practical to you guys and you can start to think about how they relate to you know, maybe your situation, your circumstance. So number one is not appreciating the power and the importance of influence. Now, I've already done a pretty rigorous podcast on pitching, influence, and persuasion, so I'm not going to go into that. But I think when I first started in business, I didn't realize that 
probably one of your top three skills is influence. If you can influence, you can sell. If you can influence, you can engage your team. If you can influence, you can, uh, you know, pitch to investors. It's just, it's just, you know, I think to this day, it's one of the most important things. And how I got better at it is firstly, I got some feedback. So, um, 360 feedback or just, just that, that sort of stuff happens in the corporate world. Sometimes you kind of get, um, performance reviews. And I remember my boss at the time saying, you just have really poor self-awareness. <laughs> you, you don't realize how things are going on around you. And you know, that that time I was what sort of early mid twenties, and perhaps I was you know quite self centered and and not as experienced, let's say, on the way these things work. So anyway, uh, long story short, I was not great at it, and since then, thankfully, I've worked on it. But if you haven't gone into what influence is and how important it is, um, and the book that I referenced is Robert Cialdini's book on influence or the power of influence and persuasion. So definitely go back and look at that if you haven't done so already. So that was the first one. Second one was, and I, <laughs> I didn't know how to write this exactly, but I wrote down operating like a goal-driven machine, basically leading teams versus using the magical tools of engagement and empathy. Now, as I read this, I kind of feel sick because I can't tell you how many times I got given feedback in my early career about my lack of empathy. And again, I, I suppose when you're a bit younger, you don't think about things in the, in the same way. But, oh my God, you know, I was, I was so focused, so driven. Really, most of my, I suppose my psychology at the time was focused on significance. It was all about stepping up, standing out, being the best that I could be. And, you know, there are a lot of things that are good about that. I don't, I don't judge it now and go, oh my God, that was terrible because it, you know, it definitely got me to a place in my business career, certainly my, my sort of career as an employee, if you like, which was much more progressed more quickly than other people. But um, God, you know, when I started to understand that I had to, you know, absolutely put myself in other people's shoes, positions, thought processes, the game changed. So this one, I suppose, is aligned with the first one in terms of influence. But the one thing I would say about empathy is you can't fake it. So I remember the learning experience before I move on is I went on this course once. It was kind of like a, um, how do you describe it? It was where there was a certain number of leaders in this organization I was working with in the UK. So this is now um, probably eight to 10 years into my sort of corporate career. And I went on this course, it was called Inspire. And it was a selection of high performers, if you like, in the um, media company that I was working with at the time. So I was very honored and, and grateful to be selected. But um, the way it worked is you were in two teams of six. So I was in a team and then there was another team of six. And we would go out and do these activities, which were sort of outward bound, you know, out in nature. We were at the Brecon Beacons, which is a place sort of near Wales in the UK. And I had to lead a team. And what I had to do basically is I had to make some decisions that the team were not privy to. And then I had to explain why I made those decisions. Now, in this situation, it was carrying literally cans of water up a mountain, <laughs> all things. And when I made the decision of how much water we could carry, 
that decision was based on myself being able to carry some of the water as well. Now, after I'd made the decision, I was told by um, the guy who was leading this particular program, you have to essentially support, coach, guide your team for the next three hours up a mountain, um, but you can't carry any water. So if you can imagine what that's like, it's one of those things, the parallel back to, to the work context and the business context was simply sometimes you've got to make decisions in business, particularly if you're leading larger teams, if you've got like a performance or an empire business and, and the people who have to deliver the decision that you've made have not been around to see the circumstances of which or when you had to make that decision. And all you can do is support those teams to get what needs to be done done without helping them. And that was the crux for me in terms of empathy because I I had to suffer a painful three hours. I got terrible feedback afterwards, but I never forgot the, the lesson. And since then I've been thinking about it, aware of it, and it's made, you know, it's made me more effective, absolutely. And the feedback I get now from teams is, is that I'm much more rounded as a leader when I'm, um, you know, trying to drive things or push things forward in business. So that's number two. So number three, um, and I'm not going to, well, should I go into this again? Yeah, probably. Uh, allowing self-limiting beliefs to overly affect my confidence and conviction. Wow, deep, isn't it? God. Uh, I've talked a lot about fear. I've talked about mindset. Please, if you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and have a listen there. They're definitely useful if you have any type of self-limiting belief that's holding you back. There probably isn't a day that goes by that I don't talk to someone who's got something that's sitting on them and for various reasons, they just can't let it go. So please go back and listen to some practical tools on those episodes, which will help you. But for me, it took me probably, it's a tale of two ends of the career. The first part of my career when I was that, you know, that guy looking for significance and chasing promotions, chasing money, chasing success and achievement, but not feeling fulfilled. A lot of it came down to operating in a shell. And what I mean by that is I would put up a veneer of confidence because I, I kind of expected that's what people wanted. But what would happen is if someone wanted to throw a rock at that veneer, that shell, they could crack it very easily because I was still operating from a belief system that wasn't serving me. And only when I started to move past that, I wouldn't say it was because I didn't care anymore. I did care, but I, I had this more effortlessness around it. Did things just start to happen much, with much more ease than anything else beforehand? So again, these are things that if I look back, they've served me for sure because you know I wasn't not successful in the context of what my goals were at the time. But I was operating from, from a, a different position to what I understand now. So that's number three. Number four is underestimating the power of marketing. And this is marketing, you know, over sales, actually, if I think through it, in radically transforming business performance. Now, this is my background was marketing. So you would say, yeah, of course, Nick's saying that he's, you know, he's a marketing guy. That's what he's done. You know, I don't mean it like that. I mean, I, I came from a background of brand marketing and awareness. So proposition and all those things. Now I'm talking more about how you can start to use the tools that are available now. So social media, massive, you know, personal brand, 
putting yourself out there, having a, having a voice that's credible, authentic, and trustworthy, all of those things, measuring it. You know, you've got likes, shares, comments, you've got all these different things that can happen out there. And if you're really focused and very clear on your message, own your niche, you can transform things massively so. You know, and then if you align that with other forms of engagement, you know, this engagement marketing is just a totally another level. Now, just on that, to give you a bit of a, a tip, I think, is whatever you do, if you go down this route and you take on board these points around it, don't go out there and turn it into a sales, a sales methodology. Nothing, nothing worse than reading a post on LinkedIn and then someone tries to hit you up with a terrible close at the end of it. The point of this, the point of what I'm making here about the power of marketing, it's the power of having a voice. Now, that voice can be a brand, that voice can be a person. It doesn't matter too much, but that, that opportunity, which has been with us now pretty much for, you know, certainly since social media has become a thing, but people haven't adopted it. Um, it's taken me longer than I would have liked, but that said, now it's absolutely part of, you know, what I do and also certainly what I recommend to businesses. So I kind of wish I'd got on the, the train or the bandwagon, whatever you want to call it earlier, but Hey, at least I got on and have got on. And that's, you know, something I think that if you're listening to this, take heed of that. And the book, which I recommend straight away, read Crushing It by Gary Vaynerchuk, get all over that. You know, I've mentioned it before, but that's that's the starting point. And then you can start to, you know, land that back with however you want to do it. Okay. And lucky last, number five, as I said, I could have made a list of 10. The number five is hiring people based on aptitude versus attitude and align with this failing to fire people quickly enough. So this is, and it's not to say that attitude is better than aptitude, but I do honestly believe if you have someone who comes in and absolutely is congruent with what you're trying to achieve, is prepared, prepared to learn, make mistakes, but you know, absolutely perform better and, and, and just take on board feedback, they're going to serve you better longer term and they're probably going to be with you longer. Um, that said, you, know, you do have to have people who can do the job, so it is a fine balance. But if I was pushed and someone said, which one is it? then for me, it's attitude. And what's the percentage? Well, it depends on the level, seniority, role, all those sort of things. But my weighting would be probably 70% towards attitude. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's a crucial thing. And I've had great experience of having people who have joined me in business and being able to get them to the right place because they absolutely have that burning desire to get there and they're prepared to listen, learn, and evolve themselves, and, and obviously their career from that. So that's it. They're the five. Just to run through them again, so not appreciating the power and importance of influence. Number two, operating like a goal-driven machine. God, I cringe reading that again. Um, without using sort of engagement and empathy to really sort of lead teams, lead people, lead teams. Number three, allowing self-limiting beliefs to overly affect my confidence and conviction. Really important one if you're struggling with fear or not knowing how to kind of position yourself in a business. Number four, underestimating the power of marketing over sales in radically transforming business performance. And number five, hiring people based on aptitude first versus their attitude and align with this failing to hire, sorry, fire people quickly enough. 
So, you know, when you know someone's not a right fit and they could be a great performer, but they're just not going to be the right person, then make that decision. Have the guts to do it. Yeah. Don't, don't let it wait. You know the right answer pretty quickly. Give people a chance. I'm not saying that. But when you know, you know, get with it, make the decision and, you know, move on from there. And that's how you'll start to, you know, drive more stunning performances in your business. So that's it for today. Um, last thing really is, do I regret these things? Someone asked me that today and I said, well, yeah, at the time, yeah, you know, I'm cringing as I read some of them because I'm thinking back to the stories and there's many stories above and beyond the men's health one <laughs> that I could share today. But, you know, I laugh at myself for being keen and eager, driven, all those traits back then, but not necessarily aware and considered. and. If I impress anything on you today, it's it's that awareness really and having my eyes opened by some great mentors and some great opportunities which have really sort of started to, you know, refine kind of how I do things today, which is definitely more effective. So um, just to finish off, I uh, put this um, out there on LinkedIn uh, recently and I asked people to comment on what their biggest mistake was as well. So with their permission, I'm allowed to share a couple. So to finish off today, let me go through that. So I had Julie and she said, not taking true control of my life soon enough. Wow. I mean, awesome, right? Awesome. Really deep. But this comes back a little bit, I think, to fear. This idea that you don't want to be the person who's, you know, got time running out and you wish I did. Yeah, because wish I did doesn't work. And as I say, if you should, you must. Yeah, great one. Thanks for that, Julie. Um, then I've got um, a guy called John, John O'Neill. Call out to John. Um, and he, he sort of credits staying in a place for too long. Uh, and my suggestion that just you shouldn't do that <laughs> has been some of the best advice he's ever got. Um, and he has since taken that advice and, you know, gone on to another, another job. Um, yeah, I... I Staying, staying somewhere because it's comfortable and staying somewhere because you think you should and staying somewhere because you like certainty and you're not prepared to take a risk, they're all not the right reasons. If a place still serves you and absolutely fits with your goals and your mission and all that sort of stuff, stay. But if you know it doesn't, again, it comes back to that fear of the unknown. You've got to make the decision. And then last one for today is Gary, Gary Das, um, another fellow podcaster, um, really, really good guy. And he, he, he said, he's got a few here, as I said to him, he could have done his own um, podcast session on this, but he said, not doing any marketing for the first 10 years of his business. Yep. Okay, good. Probably correlates back to my marketing point. Uh, letting a friend buy into my business with the same skills as me and not map it, mapping out the relationship. I mean, that's a cool one in terms of scale up. Uh, you've got to have some complementary things. What I find interesting is even if you have the same skill set, as long as you can spread out the various things that need to happen and you have you know, various points of this is what I do in accountability, that's important. But you know, if you're both trying to do the same thing, you know, you're going to end up not, not so much a conflict, but I found that it just becomes difficult. So even if you are the same type of person, make it very clear that your roles are defined if you're going to go into some kind of partnership. And the last one Gary says is not having coaches and mentors. Now, that's one I'm going to I'm going to spend some time on that in a future episode because it's 
the game changer for my career has definitely been around mentorship and having people who are just absolutely there in terms of they've been where I'm heading my journey beforehand and it just it just speeds things up. So thank you for those, Gary, some awesome points. And um, as I said, um, you know, there's, there's many more that uh, I could have added to my list. So listen, if this has struck a chord with you, please get in touch with me. Um, I'm at Twitter, which is at Nick C. Bradley. You can get me on my Facebook page, which is Nick Bradley, and it's Scale Up Your Business, and the same on LinkedIn. Uh, all of those channels are absolutely fine, but you know, reach out to me. If you've got any mistakes that you'd like to share, what I'll do is I'll call them out on a future episode. Uh, always happy to add a perspective. Not always, you know, it might not always be the most useful perspective. It might be the perspective you don't want to hear. Sorry about that. Hey, but you know, that's, that's where hopefully I can add some value. But that is it for today. So thanks again for listening. And as I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now.